Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Taste Charm City. This is Chef Kat, and this is episode one of season two. I'm extremely excited to get started. As you all know, we've made some changes. Chef Ashley is no longer with us, but she's moved on to greener pastures. Um, I'm here today with some awesome folks. You guys may not may know them. I'm here with the food nomad and the food adventurer. Say hey guys. Hey guys. Uh so we're going to jump right in. I have a couple of questions for these guys lined up, and there's some food, some fun food stuff going on in the city that we're also going to talk about. Um, so let's jump right in. So Dave, the food adventurer, would you mind just telling us who you are, what you're all about, your company? <laughs> sure. So my name is Dave Seal. Uh, I run Blue Fork Marketing, and uh, basically I do um, marketing and public relations for small independent restaurants, uh, food and beverage brands, um, really anyone that uh, wants to work with me and, and think uh, thinks that I can add value to their business. Cool. So the food adventure, what does that mean exactly? All right. So before I started Blue Fork Marketing um, and even before I came to Baltimore, I lived in San Francisco. And um, I lived in San Francisco and loved going out to different neighborhoods in and around San Francisco to just eat food and go on food adventures. So I actually, and it is no longer, but I actually ran a food blog called The Art and Science of Food Adventuring. And it detailed my adventures and where I would go and what I would eat mm -hmm. and this, that, and the other. So I just kind of kept it. Uh, you know, it's, I've had different careers and different sort of iterations of it, but I've uh, always been passionate about food adventuring and going out there and, and finding what's good to eat in different cities and towns that and sounds wherever awesome. I am. Yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Lee's like anxiously waiting. Come on, tell us. We are here with the Food Nomad. Tell us about that. Not anxiously, but... Whereas Dave does kind of industry work for real, I just kind of pretend that. No way. Sure. <laughs> Probably more industry adjacent is what you would call me. Hmm. Um, I do enjoy going out places to eat, and for some reason I have obsession about taking pictures and putting on a social media feed, and, and luckily it's been accepted really well. But beyond that, you know, I do like talking to industry folks, but I'm not necessarily in the industry. So what do you do exactly, professionally? Uh, so... My career has been in finance and corporate finance for years. I mean, I, I did kind of help um, with Ida B's table as it got along, but for the most part, I've worked in media companies for my career. I started off at Leg Mason and I worked for ESPN and uh, Gannett before that. And now I work for The Real News. So, okay. so how did you get into food blogging? Uh, I, had, I was lucky enough to have lived in New York City for a while. Um, and if you've ever lived in the city, you can't really avoid food <laughs> unless you unless you don't want to experience New York. And then right. if you do, then you really learn the appreciation for you know all sorts of different types of foods, and not necessarily like in in you know the most fancy places in the world. But every corner has something to offer in New York, even uh, the bodegas or the outer boroughs and such. Always you can always find a good bite there, and I really like exploring the city and finding. You know the best places to kind of eat, even the little nooks and crannies, um, even the places that had like a B rating on its health. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are like the best spots. 
right. uh, especially <laughs> it's a little oh, questionable. A little risque. Yeah. Especially uh, in New York City. Yeah. I love those spots. I love those spots. Um, one of my favorite ramen places, which is this like sketchy ramen place down in the like the Lower East Side. And uh, what was it called? Uh, Minka Ramen Factory. Did you have you ever? No, I've never been there. Yeah, because it was small and sketchy, <laughs> and, but it had amazing ramen. One of my favorite places is called well, two places. One is called the Chicken Place, basically yeah. rotisserie chicken. It's it's health rating from like A to B to C. <laughs> and I still kept eating there because it was so good. And then there's a sake. What bar were they called. doing? I mean, if you they had like this basement deal and never went down there. The refrigerator sure was never at. Yeah. <laughs> there were things that probably went on there. But that's sure. that's yeah. part of the flavor, right? Yeah, it's, it's very like good. Part of I mean, the dopest spot. Hey, I, I might get sick, sick, but it's cool. So. You know, you take oh, your good. chances. But. So, when did you pick up your cameras? Are you a professional photographer? Are you like, hey, I, I take pictures. Let me invest in a nice camera. So, one of the interesting things is that Leandra and I shoot with the same exact camera. Right. That's a cool so looking camera. it's a Sony A6000, and it's kind of the greatest little camera ever. Hmm. Right. Like, I would, like, it. it's inexpensive, relatively speaking, if you're, if you're going to go, like, the mid to like beginner range of cameras mm-hmm. um they've gone like they've released two or three other models by now but it's also small unobtrusive and it takes yeah. great pictures yeah it does it does i put um shout out to dj impulse um uh i got a fixed 50 millimeter on mine from, actually- from dj impulse and uh i love him it, yeah he's a man <laughs> and um that kind of upped my game. I didn't realize, like, I mean, the the stock, you know, the stock right. lens is fine and all, but, I mean, that just, when I can switch between the two, and if I have, that, that really just changed the game for me. So. I actually almost bought that exact same lens, but I have yeah. a fixed 16 millimeter with a wide angle attachment. Um, so, and that's really changed. Yeah. If you want to get like a whole, that's my next shot. That's my next. I bought a Sony. I forget the name of it. So I'll have to figure that out. They were trying to sell me a lens. It was like three hundred dollars. I'm like, huh. Yeah. I'll stick with this for now, and then yeah. I'll see if I need to make this investment. I mean, it's worth. It really is worth it because it, it can change the game for yeah. sure. For so sure. I will say the new cameras on the new iPhones and new Samsungs are pretty game changing. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. So. Um, I started shooting. I mean, I've started shooting. I shot food i mean like i said i i ran a food blog so i started sort of getting into food photography when i was running the food blog um and kind of took some online workshops with that Mm. just using natural light and and um but you know i think in recent years uh i think one of the big game changers for me was working with professional photographers like justin chicalis of plaid photo scott suchman who's another incredible incredible food photographer who shoots for baltimore magazine and, and washingtonian and um you know i've been fortunate enough to like work on shoots with them and just watching them what you know their composition what they work at seeing the finished products and then trying to mimic them i mean um and i've told them this so i don't feel <laughs> i'm not like throwing out any secrets but you know i i just really respect their work and they they do incredible work so i just try and mimic that and and it seems to work out 
that's a low-key pet peeve yeah. of mine when I see food bloggers and then I look at their pictures and I'm just like, you have filters on your food and it's weird. So they should take that extra step to learn how to properly take pictures of food. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, the thing is, is it doesn't take much. Mm-hmm. I mean, good lighting does not take much and, and um, especially just, you know, I joke with um, some some other food bloggers and, and different people, like one of the biggest, uh, easiest things that you can do is just put your back to the window hmm. and and just shoot, make sure that you're, you're natural. Like if you find a table by, and it's light outside and you find, um, you know, a dish and you put your back to the window and make sure that a part of that natural light is hitting that dish, your your shots will be ten times better. Awesome. Uh, cool. And never use flash. I despise flash. I despise flash. <laughs> I, think, I think the other My thing, pictures look terrible. Pictures are good. I mean I think the other thing you you have to be mindful of when taking pictures is you you have to understand the dish per se. Like right. take the time mm-hmm. to listen to the chef or if you have the chance to talk to her or read the menu items, understand right. what the dish is and, and which part should be appealing, like if someone is gonna eat it. Mm-hmm. Right? So that will determine your mm-hmm. angle. Like mm-hmm. if you, if it's a layered or stacked dish, for example. For sure, stuff, yeah, that's sure a you great show point. Those things, but don't just. I, I don't believe it. Just taking a right. shot for just take the sake of taking a shot. You have to understand like totally. this is what kind of cuisine it is, mm-hmm. what the chef wants to show off, and why it was created right. that way. Right. right. Yeah. And then you'll have a better. Somebody idea told me when you're to um, taking pictures of food, either you get an overhead shot. Or your eye level with the yeah yeah food. low angle yeah. low angle or, or overhead is is usually what I recommend and then you can play with that yeah I mean like Leandra said like I mean it all depends on how the dish is plated what looks best where the angle is and the textures and right thinking about all the different components I mean you know people there is a I'm lot, glad you guys are both so thoughtful there is a lot that goes into it no yeah. I mean I and that's why I think like the people who take good shots you know um, they get a lot of followers and they you get a lot of engagement on those pictures because they are legit good shots cool well that was our photography piece <laughs> Okay, let's jump back into food. So, what do you think are the top factors that make a restaurant great? What are you looking for when you go in a restaurant that's like, okay, this this makes my top? Yeah, I know you shared the question beforehand, but I'm still <laughs> thinking about this question. I mean, I think one of the things for me, and I'll just give an example. I ate this dish at a place called Izakaya Seki back in 2011. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a simple kind of miso marinated piece of cod. And then it was so good then that I've gone back and they haven't had it. I've tried mm. it at the restaurant. <laughs> so to me, there, there was like a certain food memory of how good this dish tastes. And they finally served it with sable fish and I had it last year. Mm-hmm. Like, this is six years kind of chasing the same dish. Wow. At the same place and at different other kind of Japanese asakayas. And it was never quite the same. So to me... The one thing is the food has to be like really memorable. Like if you if you go to a place and a week later someone asks you, you know what was good and what can you eat, like if you couldn't describe it, then it wasn't really that right. fantastic. Yeah. It could have been good, but like to me, like a really great experience is you can describe a meal. Um, surprisingly, service goes a long way for me. Like if people are absolutely, but not necessarily like mind blowing service stuff like getting you water, you know just the basics they have down pat 
And then to me, the third thing is if restaurants don't pretend to be something else that they're not. Like if you're a diner, you right. serve great diner food, then that's you know fine with me. Like if it's great diner food and that's all you want to be is a diner, but you're not serving like. There's definitely a restaurant yeah. out there too where I'm like, this makes no sense to what this place is. Right. So restaurants overreaching sometimes get them into trouble, but mm-hmm. you know. no, I, I mean I would totally agree with that. And uh, to to piggyback on Izakaya Seki, like had one of the best hamachi collars I've ever had there. I mean, and like I just know that. I mean, they right. go find Izakaya Seki if you're going to like the Lincoln Theater or yeah. uh, U Street um, or just DC or just DC. <laughs> Can't. Go find it. It's what like about, this hole in the wall, but it's super dope. Yeah. So what about in Baltimore? Like your favorite restaurants in Baltimore? Let's keep this charm. <laughs> friendly. <laughs> no, like but everywhere I, else so, is great. So, I mean, I'll speak to that because I think, um, you know, I mean, I, I, and going along with what Leandro said, I think that there's, there's three different aspects. And I, I have thought about this being in sort of like food and beverage marketing. Um, you know, food service and atmosphere are sort of the three components that I think, and you can't have one without the other. So you can't have really good food and really good service and no atmosphere. Mm. And, and uh, you can't have really good atmosphere and really good service and have bad food or food and, you know, right. vice versa. Right. It, it all affects the same. Now, atmosphere, you can be like, and, and uh, for those of you that didn't see that, cat was like kind of like looking, I don't know. <laughs> Atmosphere is a factor that, yeah, you could be out there like in an alley in, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the, the sketchiest alley in, in Baltimore yeah. uh, and serving like a, super. Well, well, let's take, no, 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 but let's take this. I mean, let's say the atmosphere for, um. Uh, shit, now it's uh, escaping my hippie f- by the strip club. Come on, guys. Chaps. Chaps, right. So that, so the, <laughs> exactly. Thank Why you. does he know that? It's not because he said strip club. I just right. know chaps. No, I mean, <laughs> we all know chaps. It's amazing pit beef. Right? Mm-hmm. The atmosphere there, it's. For those of you who, who've never been there, go check it out. It's uh, out on... I've never been. It's out oh, by ways. a strip club. Yeah, out on, I think, 40, right? Okay. Maybe yeah, somewhere. 40. I was just yeah. down there. Okay. And and, uh, oh, and it's, you know, I mean, but that that grittiness of Chaps Fit Beef is kind of like what makes it, right? So, like, but, you know, if, like, there's just kind of, if, if there's a dissonance to that atmosphere, if there's a dissonance or you're just uncomfortable in right. that space, it's, it's, not, it's going to affect your, mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to come back, right? right. So, um, you know, I think, um, and this jumps into some of, I think, but I think the atmosphere of Chaps is appropriate for the kind of Absolutely. Yeah. And so, like, you know, it's, it's those three factors that you have to look at and um and the people that execute it well um you know i mean and this will get into some of my you know some of my favorites um which i i don't like to mention favorites but um but i also to because you know i like to represent my clients and and um and that but 
Um, but there's definitely some that are up there and, and everyone kind of agrees. I mean, La Cushara is a great example of that. Yeah. And La Cushara, I think, hits on all of those points. And Jake and Ben are two of my favorite restaurateurs in the city. Um, everyone knows Woodbury Kitchen and Woodbury Kitchen hits on, um, you know, those different notes. So, I mean, you can't deny the atmosphere of Woodbury Kitchen. Never been. Um, and, I've been the um, with them. But I mean, with, you know, again, going back to La Cushara and even their new restaurant, Minnow, I think each of the different components are really well executed. Um, Minnow is very much more uh, of a casual spot, but it works. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they they do a really great job of training their staff to be non-invasive, but friendly, but in, in, in getting what you need and on point. And it shows because people come back to those spots time and time again. Um, So, you know, I mean, I think that that's really what makes quality restaurants and, um, yeah, it's my piece. I agree, 100%. I say that all the time, like, which one is more important? But I guess they kind of just go hand in hand. But I think I would be, if the food was great and the customer service wasn't as great, I'd probably still go back. Like, oh, it was so good, though. I'll get it to go. (laughs) (laughs) I think what that proves is that the restaurateur, whoever is running a restaurant, cares about customer experience, per se. Um, If you're just a chef and cooking great food and you don't care about how your customers receive it, then I don't think that restaurant will last very long. I I think you have to take everything from the point of view of the customer because it's still the service service industry, Mm -hmm. right? So... Mm -hmm. You know, whether or not they get good service, whether or not the dishes are explained well, that all comes before you even serve them a drop of drink or, you know, a piece of food. And that has to be important also. So I think you have to pay attention to all three classes. Yeah, and I think it, I think you're, you're exactly right, Leandro. I think this part of it plays into the, the, the lasting factor. Is this, sure, right. am I going to come back? Maybe. But is this going to be a classic that sticks around for, for years and years right. and years? And and to, you know, I mean, I think shout out to uh, the Foreman Wolf Group because, I mean, they do it incredibly well and have developed, um, you know, I mean, may, many people may not know that Ben Leffenfeld, the chef of La Cushara, uh, was, you know, the chef at Le Petit yeah. Bistro and, and, and cooked for Cindy Wolf. And so, you know, I mean, I think that there's a certain pedigree that, that um, Foreman Wolf has in this city especially has sort of created and 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 um they are some of the best when it comes to service they really execute well on that and i think i'm the opposite of you like if, if the food is in, in you know my opinion is just okay but the service is amazing then i am more apt to go back and give it like a second or third chance because the service was so good and maybe see they that. had an off night right mm-hmm. that makes sense Good point. <laughs> Did you say your favorite restaurant in the city? Um, Drop some names. Come on. <laughs> it's hard the to say. It's hard know. to say favorites because you know. I mean, it's so subjective. Right. So I mean, does, I, I love Ida place? B's, but okay. that's biased for now. Right. I'm there like every day. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying. When I say favorite, menu, I mean so. like a place that you can feel comfortable going every day. Like. Well, Even I mean, before I worked there, like I was such a fan of Dubcoat. I would be in there every day. Yeah, I mean, I love Dubcoat. I really like Noco. Um, 
you know, every time I go in there, it's always been a great meal. And but you know, more importantly, Brian and Sam are really, really great people. Like, mm-hmm. They'll talk to you, they'll sit down Absolutely. and discuss, and then you know, they'll just you know, I love getting into like the nuances of a dish, and they'll explain a dish for you. Yeah. I do like La Cucharia, and you know, I went to Minnow and uh, on the first night it opened. And there were some challenges there, but I but the service was great. So mm-hmm. I've been back like okay. two or three times, and I even wrote up Minnow as one of the yeah. ten best new restaurants in the city for Baltimore Beat. So there are times when you have you know if something really clicks, you do give restaurant like a second or third chance. And then I'm glad I went back to Minnow. And again, it's unfair to judge a restaurant. That's when they're new, first right? Growing pains. Like, yeah, and I, I also want to give a. Uh, you know, shout out to, I think, one thing that is really cool to see in Baltimore is, like, those people who have started in um, started in the farmer's markets here. I think, you know, I, I can't really speak to other cities, um, but I, I see this happening. And, you know, two of my favorite restaurants in the city... Uh, Ekaban and Black Sauce Kitchen. I mean, they came up. Mm-hmm. And Steve Chu, I mean, that guy Damien. and Damien, like, they came up out of the farmer's market just... How come they're only open on Thursdays? Dope-ass food. Because because they do so well at markets and other events. Man, that's Black nice. Sauce, yeah. <laughs> has only decided to do open on Thursdays. That's they nice. It, I mean, that's great for them. That's yeah. awesome. And it creates such a good buzz around Thursday. Yeah. I mean, Ekaban is one of my favorites, too. And but they also cook really good food. The atmosphere there is great, and mm-hmm. no one's ever not smiling when you go in there. Yeah, awesome. Um, Hershey's also. Mm-hmm. I really like Josh. I like his politics, which we won't get into right now. <laughs> it's too messy. But his food is amazing. Like, there's not a better night if you can go and eat at both like Hershey's and Minnow. Mm. It's a one two. Things. Yeah, it's a one two. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you guys, I think, are starting, or you already are, air quotes, influencers. So what does that term mean to you? And, like, what is that about? People are throwing the term around. Like, can you give us some info, insight on to influencer, you being an influencer? I don't don't have a good answer for that. Like, I I don't know. No, because I don't, you know, so... I would argue Dave's a much bigger influencer, but he doesn't, you know, we do two different things per se. Like, mm-hmm. you know, most of my stuff is generally on social media and there's no plausible return regardless. Like, I could post a picture, there could be a lot of engagement, a lot of likes, but who knows if someone ever went to the restaurant because of anything I posted. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't a lot of tracking technology to really figure out if the right. source, unless... Unless you use some sort of code or stuff like that, mm-hmm. I think a true influencer is someone who, who like Dave, will will create events or create a buzz for a particular restaurant per se that that interests people and people actually show up. Like, you know, Dave can host an event and it can pack the house, and that's tangible results right. for something to happen. For people who do kind of social media, it's kind of like it's kind of like Sorry about that. It's kind of like hope and pray. You know, you invite a bunch of quote-unquote influencers to come to an event. They'll post pictures, and you kind of hope and pray that it will spur some business for the restaurant. 
but you know when Dave does, it's it's a more concrete kind of objective goals. I'm going to host a event, a pop up, something else, and then you can measure that by the amount of people that show up. And I think that's what true influence should be, rather than just. And and again, this sounds hypocritical, and I love posting <laughs> pictures of my feed, but that never you can never prove how much of an effect that might be for a restaurant. And I think true influence, you should be able to measure what the effect is. I'm blushing over here right now. <laughs> just stop. Just stop. Um, no, I mean, you know, I it's, I mean, the aspect of what Leandro is describing there is like, it's what I do for my business. It's what I love. It's It's been my career for 10, 12 years now in different frameworks, not all for restaurant and food and beverage businesses, but right now over the last, you know, over the last six years of being here in Baltimore, like it absolutely has been my business to do this. Um, and that's, that's, that's what I do. It's my career. So like I build, I, that's, you know, I build on that. Um, you know, I've thought a lot about influencer marketing, uh, which is uh, something that I use in my own business for my clients and things like that. And influencer marketing is basically just harnessing um, people who have a community around them. And that's really what it comes down to, this idea of to be an influencer. Yes, can anyone be an influencer? Absolutely. If, you know, it's about... Um, garnering the community that you have um, and you know in also giving yourself as a resource providing something for people um, and you know I, I think one of the greatest examples of this uh, and someone who I, I really respect and has done so well over the, the last few years that I've been here is Alicia um, anyway. of D- Discover Charm City, City. Yeah. And she has just like blown up as an influencer. She's so um, cool. You know, and um, and Chino and like all of these people who've really like, they've just owned their personalities, but really built a community around them of people who are like, yeah, you know what? Like, I like the same things as you do. And I want, and you know, if you feel led to be that sort of out, you know, that outspoken person in your group of friends, which we all have in our friends. And if you're that person, then you're already an influencer, whether you have an Instagram feed or not. And it doesn't need to be an Instagram feed. It could be a podcast. It could be, uh, you know, it could be, yeah, I mean, it could be anything. Um, I just think that now, you know, those of us who love food and now you have this sort of rise of, of food photography and this, that, and the other, but it, it really is about just fostering a community around yourself and and providing, um, you know, being a resource for others. Cool. That's what um, I hope this podcast can do. And my following that I have is kind of highlight the cool restaurants and upcoming chefs in the city and the people are like, hey, Cat posted that. I'm gonna go check that out. So that is yeah. my overall I mean, you goal. Are, you're killing it, girl. I'm trying to whatever. <laughs> So, so who influences you guys? Do you kind of just like go out on a whim or you're invited to these things? You can. You influence me. No way. I'm always like, how did you know about that? How come I wasn't invited? Like, how, 
who influences you to go out? You're just like, hey, I'm the food adventurer. I'm just going to branch out and go on I, my own know, and see what's popping I, in the city. That's a really good question about Baltimore. I mean, Facebook is, Facebook is a powerful tool. I think Very much so. from a media, you know, it's funny because um, there, is, there is a... Uh, a very small amount of media in this city compared to other cities. Right. Um, and so, you know, as much as you may rely on, you know, Baltimore Magazine or the Baltimore Sun or Baltimore Beat or whatever, um, that's kind of it. And so I think social media has really become, and I will find myself being like, yo, I want to find something. I mean, the other day, you know, I was just like trolling through my events on Facebook mm -hmm. and found some, you know, dope dance party at the Crown. I'm like, great, let's do this. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Social media is, is a, a pretty powerful tool. Really I agree. That, I mean, Baltimore, I mean, it still has, um, it does have a lot of good media and stuff, but social media, it doesn't have, and I think that's just a kind of critical mass of size and such, but like New York and DC have a much more robust food media. Not right. Just yes. Media. Yes. So there isn't really a robust yeah. food medium Baltimore for you to look around and see what events are going on or new hmm. openings and such. Hmm. So you do rely on people like Dave, who has clients and such, but he he will promote like new openings and stuff of, of exciting places. You know, there are a ton of other PR people, so you make sure. So you when you say them. food media, what do you mean? Like so, like Grub Street is a, a really good example. Is or a, eater or, or eater or, yeah there's no eater version um, of Baltimore. it's a lot okay. of online platforms right. um and i mean as you know i mean as print media slowly Bates. dare i say surely dies right. um the reality is is that in its stead you know online hmm. publications um the edible uh, magazines, um, you know, there, there's no Pete Wells or Tom Seitzma in Baltimore quite yet. Like in terms of someone hmm. who's who's really writing about food, it's been doing it for a long time. And you know, like Pete Wells doesn't just do food reviews; he does, you know, you know, social commentary and such. And he'll talk about restaurants. He'll talk about everything. So, a voice that you kind of really trust that you right. agree with, huh? Planning ideas into my head. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, no, for people out there who are listening, like, and I mean, you know, I think also it's not just, I mean, it's, we need diverse voices, mm. you know, diverse voices in food media, in um, social media, in social media. Um, and, I, and I think that slowly but surely I'm, I'm beginning to see that, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. Do any of you guys cook? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Totally. Love cooking. Great. Some people are like, who is it? Arlie? I think. Arlie doesn't cook. She doesn't cook. I don't. Like, How do you I like don't. So my whole thing with cooking is that I like cooking for other people. Mm. If I'm left right. to my own devices, which like, you know, I was single for, I don't know, a year, year and a half or so. And like, I would just get home and do what I don't know, throw something like a can of soup or something together. But, um, I definitely live by cereal. You know, if I cook by myself, I will <laughs> boil ramen noodles, throw away the packs, just drain the noodles, put butter and salt and pepper on top. That's awesome. Yeah, I bet, dude. <laughs> it tastes I really bet. good. And then put some lemon so uh, sorry, lemon juice on it. It's awesome. And cool. I'm gonna try that. No, I definitely um I definitely like to cook and um 
been really like exploring Latin flavors. Mm. Um, my new sister-in-law is from Colombia, mm. and um, she gave me this incredible recipe for a Roy Campogno, and like, and then uh, whenever I have, you cook that, invite, invite. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just been uh, playing around with a lot of a lot of Latin flavors, a lot of Latin dishes, so which is fun. What's your favorite cuisine? You? Probably Italian. I mean, I, I went through this phase. Really? In, this is an embarrassing story, but like I went through this phase <laughs> in New York where I wanted to really cook a burger. Uh-huh. <laughs> it took me six months to figure out like what I wanted, and I went through all sorts of butcher stores, hmm. uh, butcher shops in New York, where I would ask them to grind up like brisket or sirloin or ribeye mm-hmm. to figure out what like, what the best ratio is for a burger, and I would like dry out mushrooms and onions and stuff, oh. mix them in, but... So more like the science and art of kind of cooking fascinated me more when I cook. Like, so I want to figure out, like, for example, the burger, what the best ratio of meat is for it. Which, Did you come up with the perfect ratio? Yeah, so I use bis- brisket, sirloin, and, and, like, really fatty chuck. Mm. Stop. See, this like is what's going to make me... Drooling. <laughs> but... You're hard pressed to find a butcher who will grind up brisket for you. Like yeah. I had to go to two or three, <laughs> and they would never do it. Like you had to really convince them to do it. I don't even know any butchers parts and labor. Hmm. It sounds it sounds awesome though. It took a long time, but like that's the kind of thing I'd rather do. I mean, I like Dave. I'd like I'd rather cook for people, other people. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Dinner party. We need to have dinner parties. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I wanted to bring that like back like supper club like I really want to do that it's hard like I I, and I do have thought a lot about it it's just hard though because I like I always feel I I have I want to invite so many people but you can only invite you know a finite amount of people like 12 I think yeah it's kind of yeah that's kind of the magical number like 12 would really strain plus my kitchen is super small and my I like I don't have if I had a much bigger kitchen that's so cool also if you guys if you guys haven't seen 42 grams it's amazing this guy sorry if it's like a supper club in his house Mm -hmm. he invited people he scheduled dinners and then he opened a restaurant. He got two Michelin stars in his first year. Oh, opening. wow. Right, I'm watching it. I'm watching I'm that, gonna, too. I'm going to start my supper club. Maybe. I was, yeah, I was watching this thing on YouTube about this lady, and she was cooking out of her house, and it was really becoming a thing. I think it was in New York. And then health inspectors, everything, were trying to shut it down yeah. because they were creeping into the numbers of the brick-and-mortar restaurants. I mean, supper club is definitely a thing. I mean, there's one in D.C. can't remember what it's called, but, you know, they might either apartment. And, yeah. 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 I'm surprised it hasn't I think I'm, latched on in Baltimore. Yeah, I, I try. I, I started it. I, I was. One thing, I did two in my friend's apartment, and it was super cute. But slowly but surely, surely and surely, we'll, we'll figure it out. 2018. 2018. Yes. It's gonna be the year of the <laughs> supper club in Baltimore. So, what is your favorite food event of the year? What do you look forward to food wise? What is the beef? Emporium is always a big one for me. I love Emporium. I don't like Emporium. Uh, no, why not? <laughs> I don't know. It kind of reminds me of my Taste Baltimore event, but kind of on a bigger scale. But I like, um, what is it? Best of Baltimore? What is that? Best of Baltimore yeah, is always good. Best of, yeah, that's the awards. Yeah. Thing. Best of in, at I the Hippodrome. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, um, what else? Um, Fest is fun. Is that a food thing? I don't thing? know if I have a favorite. I 
The JFX market. <laughs> right, basically. That's one. I mean, right? Sure. right. That is one of my favorites. That favorites. opens in the spring. That's yeah, fantastic. I can't yeah. wait for that. Yeah, I, I personally my don't Sunday like thing. eating at food festivals. I don't like eating standing up and hmm. like way too many choices. Bougie. Not bougie. <laughs> That's your preference. I don't want to be rushed when I eat. True. You want to try everything. Right. Seriously, I think, I honestly, I mean, I, I seriously do. I look forward to farmer's markets. You I, know? Love, yeah. I love I the mean, mushroom I, I The opening of the farmer's market uh, is always like a big one. Just because I think JFX has grown. I mean, Waverly has grown mm-hmm. too. Uh, Fells Point Farmer's Market has gotten better over the years. I think it's because there's possibility. Like mm-hmm. you get excited with the produce, mm-hmm. everything that I have there. Mm-hmm. That's more exciting to me than mm-hmm. like a regular mm-hmm. food festival. Have you guys gone to any of the um, urban farms in the city? I looked them up, but I haven't gone. So, yeah, I um, I'm trying to think. I have visited. I can't remember which one though. Oh, I have been at the old high school. Out east. Out east. There's mm. one out there. There are several. I can't think of any. All I know is I do love the ladies over at White Lock Farm. And, that's uh, it. Yeah. White Lock Farm. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's in that's in Reservoir Hill. Right? Yeah. 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 That's the one that yep. I've been by. Yeah. Yeah. That place cool. is great. Yeah. I try to support local farms. I mean, I think one of the things that I've enjoyed like if you have like any farms that have dinners and stuff outside using their produce. We need I more would, of that. I really enjoy that. Like, you guys know um, Kaya of Wild Town, Baltimore? The blue food uh-huh. truck? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. She had something there and she had something at another farm too. I think she's she more, she's farm. really, yeah, at White yeah. Lock. And she had another farm. I don't remember the name, but that's her thing. Farm and table situation. Yeah, I would definitely attend that if it's like a, a dinner outside mm-hmm. showcasing Farm. Hey, Kaya. Um, okay, so we talked about your favorite cuisines. Did you tell us your favorite cuisine? I know you say you were doing Latin places. Is that your favorite? favorite? My favorite, favorite is Thai. Cuisine. So I have this mild obsession with ramen. <laughs> have you uh, made your own noodles? I have oh my gosh, not I'm... made my own alkaline noodles. We need to do that. But um, it's really hard. Mm. It, I, that's probably I why. It's because it's really hard. So, like, I don't want to screw it up and, like, have a bad experience. But I, sh- I have made my own broth. I have I have boiled <coughs> bones in broth and, like, really, like, spent some time with it. The Momofuku uh, recipe is what's up, uh, if anyone. You should, you should basically buy David Chang's Momofuku uh, cookbook. Just for that recipe, hmm. I fell asleep making that broth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, I mean, it takes a while, but it's it's a money recipe, and it lasts forever. Um, no, but like I will drive. I mean, I I have uh, one of my favorite hashtags is hashtag Ramen Quest. What's your favorite? Oh. Ramen? <laughs> Explore the hashtag, guys. Favorite ramen in DMV uh, right now is Kipo Ramen. Down in Fells Point, um, mm. I think black? it's okay, black garlic. <laughs> What's up? Black garlic oil, so great, it's so good. Oh, going there. If you guys haven't been there, definitely go check it out. Um, and I heard that they just—they actually just opened a ram, another ramen shop. Same folks called, uh, and I'm gonna 
Sadura ramen or or um, but it is in a Korean restaurant in College Park. Hmm. Okay. I'll have to I'm gonna pull out my notebook here and, and find it for you, but keep going. Okay, so I'm with Dave and Ramen. You love ramen? Anywhere for ramen. Anywhere. So what do you guys think that Baltimore is lacking to be a contender as a foodie town? Like people always like you guys, even yourself, starting off talking about New York and DC. So what does Baltimore need to be in the conversation? Purpose that no city's gonna be New York. Like that's just right. Let's just be real. Let's just be real. But I mean there there is uh, and Dave and I were talking about this earlier. There's a concentration of people that no city is going to ever have with, with mm-hmm. differentiating levels of income and differentiating tastes and more disposable income. Like it's hard to complete compete with that kind of marketplace and demanding more diverse types of foods. And Baltimore will never be that. But again, no one should be trying to compete with New York City right. in terms of food offerings because you just can't economically population density-wise, it's almost impossible to do it. Um, I don't know if Baltimore is necessarily competing to be a foodie town. I mean, I think there's enough people here who are foodies. They just um, like a particular type of food. I mean, to me, Baltimore can probably get more diverse. And and on on a personal level, and, and speaking more from bias, I think... You know, the Asian food offerings that they have in Baltimore need to be more diverse. Well, even if you take a 30-minute drive to D.C., they, yeah. have, they have Lao food, they have Burmese food, they have food from Myanmar. It's not just Chinese, Thai, and I mean, I swear Japanese. to God, like, Baltimore must be the only city in the U.S. that doesn't have a Chinatown. Or a Filipino restaurant. Or, yeah. I mean, Do you guys know Stephanie from our house? Yeah, absolutely. That's like her yeah. her baby that she's yeah, trying to... We've, we've met and we've talked. And I mean, that's that's one thing that I fully support. But there isn't... It doesn't seem to be like a... Uh, I keep saying to like different chefs and different restaurateurs, I mean, if one of these chefs or even just like aspiring chefs were able to do kick-ass Chinese takeout, hmm. they would kill it. Right, kill it they in would. this city, and chopsticks is good if you go out east. But it's out. But that yeah. right. But it's it's out, and but and that's downtown. one of the, that's the one of the whole thing is that the 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 Korean and the Chinese population is all out in Catonsville, right? And, County, Catonsville, right. right. And so you just don't have it in Baltimore, and for whatever reason, those folks haven't come in. But I I think I think. Slowly but surely, I think that that is happening. Hmm. Um, you are seeing, you know, Kawasaki Filipino um, pop-up pop up is happening January 24th in, at Ida B's. Kind of plug that. Make sure everyone goes. Um, yep. You know, Ekaban, um, you know, another shout-out to them. Um, and they, they're going to be, um, they're doing their thing. But, and there's, you know, I mean, I think... Also, um, there's a lot of talented folks. I mean, I know Salt Tavern um, did a, a Vietnamese pop-up. And so, like, you know, people recognize the, um, you know, the lack of sort of Asian diversity uh, in the restaurant scene. Um, but I think slowly but surely, uh, that's going to fill itself in. And there is, I mean, there's decent Thai food. Decent, yeah. I decent would Thai food. I mean, I think like there's probably there's probably decent Mexican food, but like when you go Latin, 
we probably could do a little bit better in Baltimore. Like, yeah. not necessarily just Mexican food, but. Have you been to Puerto for one month? I love, I will love Puerto. Dude, that place yeah. is so Where is, cool. Oh, I need to go there. Oh, it's, I think it's, the only I mean, place I've been is like Clavel. Like, like, I like Clavel. Down near Charles. Clavel's good. Yeah. I mean, there's good. Clavel is beyond. Yeah. But we're not. I think, you know, Mexican food's been around for a lot of years in, in the U.S. So, But I think Latin food, I think it's filling out. And yeah. we're seeing that. You have Alma, which is like high in our, you yeah, know. Yeah, I love they Alma. Do yeah, yeah, you know, and, um, and I think you have the Me arepa. and the Gao Pao uh, food bloggers are going there next week. Arepas are, are, are a thing. So I think we're we're certainly filling out in the, in the Latin realm. and But I think we touch on, on a point here that right. is diversity of food. Mm-hmm. And that's really... Um, I'm really slow because I just found out that we had like a Greek town. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. look at this. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, it's cool. And, and I mean, this is, you know, I mean, this is my whole thing with food adventuring. It's fun to legitimately, I mean, the other day, and this like is not about diversity of food, but uh, the other day I was super hungover from a holiday party. True. As one does. And <laughs> um, like a diversity of alcohol. And I was just like, you know, scrolling <laughs> through uh, Instagram and oh, I saw this. This is cool. Brewers and Brewers Art uh, mac and cheese popped up. I was like, oh my God, I need mac and cheese. Well, this then snowballed into my girlfriend and I deciding that we like were going to go on a mac and cheese crawl. Yeah, it was and this is what I do. This is, <laughs> this is what it is to be a food adventurer. Like, I can't even help myself. I just do these things. <laughs> he threw out a question about where the best mac and cheese yeah, is. Yeah, I, I was like, yo, I was like, yo, people, where's the best mac and cheese? Uh, social media is a great thing. Crowdsourcing is a great thing. So then, uh, yeah, we ended up just like hitting all of these different mac and cheese places. Who had the best mac and cheese? Best mac and cheese of our tour was... Believe it or not, Cardinal Tavern. Oh, yeah. Hmm. It's a Never great mac and cheese. It's a great mac and cheese. And we rated it. So the whole thing, I mean, we were like it's legit. Serious. We were legit about this. We had a five scale. I even have, I, I still have it on my phone. <laughs> I'm over um, Cheesiness. I don't Dullness of yeah. noodles Look, portion. I mean, the first thing that came up. Uh, we had four, con- four uh, categories, texture, flavor, cheesiness and concept okay so texture <laughs> you know texture you're looking for that like good right. you know cheesy texture Ooh, but also yeah. like make sure the pasta isn't too hard the right it's got to be correct flavor there's got to be and i was kind of blown away that there that mac and cheese typically is like actually somewhat bland like it there weren't a lot of mac and cheese, and that's what made Cardinal Tavern really stand out. There was some spice to it. Mm. There was some depth of flavor within the cheese. The cheesiness texture, the actual cheese, mm-hmm. was amazing. Really goopy, what you want, not too Do you like much. traditional mac and cheese, or you like when people start doing extra? I like a nice traditional... When people start putting extra stuff in there. Well, I mean, that's and that was why we had the concept. So that was the fourth piece right so mm-hmm. the concept thing is we didn't rate so we did end up going to Thane Street Oyster House which has this like bananas uh, lobster, lobster mac. mac and cheese right but we that would that you can't just win by having a lobster mac and cheese right you know and I agree I mean yeah I mean I think sure it's it's great I mean I make a really kick-ass uh bacon roasted red pepper mac and cheese mm. that's like use uh uses like extra sharp 
cheddar. Like it's. It's like yeah. I mean, I think I think you want a dish where it's mac and cheese. It's mac and cheese forward, like cheese. Yeah. I don't want. Be like a baked mac and cheese. No, but like. You can't just throw lobster. No, in it like, oh, that I put some truffle fantastic. in it till now, and it's amazing. Yeah. No, like well, don't. I, I don't know how we got off on this, but like <laughs> to bring it back to diversity of food. The reality is, oh, I know why. Because like I want to be able to go out to like Greek Town. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to go out to. I mean, that's part of the fun of going yeah. to um, Chaps Pit Beef. Is you're like, well, I don't know where the hell we're going, but. <laughs> We're, We're going. going out there. Right. I mean, there was this place. I don't even know if there's. They probably still are are still open up on York, like high up on York Road, called Jake's Grill. Some of the best barbecue mm. that I have had in all of Baltimore. I mean, this and it's like a garage, like side of the road, on York Road, Jake's Grill. These guy, this guy has been doing. Jake uh, has been doing it. His dad did it. And just incredible, incredible barbecue. Hmm. Like, um, I, like, I'll tell you a secret that I don't tell anyone. Like, I guess I'm telling everyone now. <laughs> <laughs> if, if someone tells me some place to go eat, I will always go to that place. I'm going. Yeah. Like, if, uh, if yeah. someone randomly mentions, like, go to this place over here. Yeah. I will always go at least once to go yeah. to someone's recommendation. Yeah. I'm very much yeah. of that food adventure kind of philosophy. Like, right. if someone said something's good. I'll go and try it. Like, Especially if you trust their taste. It doesn't so, necessarily have to be yeah. someone I trust. And those, hmm. it's, it's yeah. those far-flung spots. I, I love yeah. those far-flung spot, spots. And, I mean, I think for a long time before, you know, our house happened and Remington happened, like Club Bell was one of those spots. Right. Um, I think I it's found kinda, that out by mistake. It, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it kind of still is. NoCo kind of is. It's kind of far out there in, in Highland yep. Town. Hmm. Um, you know, there, there are those spots and, and, um, you know, salt, I think is another like really cool little hidden neighborhood gem. That's what I was going to ask about too. Like hidden gems. Like you really will want to eat there. Like you have to be driven to eat there because the parking around there. Oh my God. It took me forever. Really? I don't know what. That one time we had dinner. Like if people bitch about it, but it's like. I'm like, I don't know what the big deal is. I'm just, I drove you know, around for like 15 like, minutes. I was going to tell you, when, I went, when we went to Salt, uh-huh. I parked right in front of it. But <laughs> <laughs> like right I drove around for like 15 minutes. I was like, I'm going to go home. Is that I always end up, I always end up parking on Patterson Park. Like okay. That's where I was. And then just Patterson. like walking. Yeah. Because it's like not that far. Right. No, I, but, but parking is difficult. It is, I, it is. I lived in that neighborhood. It's definitely a, a true deterrent. Yeah. Like, mm. I'm not gonna go. Uber, y'all. Uber, Uber, yeah. Uber everywhere. You um, safe. You can drink more too. <laughs> That's always a plus. Yeah. So, what advice do you have for restaurants that have great product but not a lot of customers? Because restaurants that are struggling but they have good food, but you know their doors so, are almost closing because nobody's going there. What do, what do they mean, need I to do? You can feel this first. What do they need to do? I mean. I think I think what you you talk about is it doesn't like a successful restaurant. We talked about this earlier. Isn't just about great those food. factors. It needs right? the factors. Like you the could, trifecta. You can have the best chef in the world cook, but if you don't if you don't market, you don't have great service, you don't have great attentiveness to all the other details, mm-hmm. then people are coming back. I think location is pretty important in Baltimore in, in some instances. Um, 
I think we've been surprised a little bit at Ida B's about when we've been busy, per se. Like, we never thought we'd have a dinner business, but we do. And so that speaks to kind of like the product and and the service and the attentiveness and that stuff. But I think I think restaurants who who, who don't focus on the, all the other aspects, mm-hmm. who think that just getting by with great food, need to really think about now what other things are important for consumers. I mean, it's the same thing. We can give an analogy about social media when people are like, oh, yeah, I take great pictures, but no one, like, engages or follows and stuff like that. And if you really think about what social media is, Instagram itself has, what, 11 billion or users per se. Like, for instance, to use an example, and I don't know if this is true or not, but, like, when Aramez was there, you know, I hear great things about the food, but I heard that they weren't getting the business. Is that true or not? Or yeah, I mean, where? An Arom- 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 I think part of it was he kind of underestimated what the marketplace was in Baltimore for a six-course kind of esoteric menu. Like, I love that stuff. But, you know, I went three times or twice in, in the two years I've been here. It's not some place you would go to every day so right. you need a more sustainable kind of customer base to keep that place open and he did a great job with like having really loyal customers but are there enough of those people in Baltimore to sustain that right I think um, you know one thing that I talk to my clients a lot about is that a small business is only as good as the community that you create and so how are you in what is identifying what your community is and engaging that community in something that they want. That they, or, or, or trying to think about what they want, or at least just trying to engage them in the first place right. with certain things. I mean, I think that there certainly uh, needs to be, a, a, you need to go through sort of a laboratory process, an experimental process of like figuring out, all right, what is it that my customer base wants if, you know, I'm a barbecue joint you know, I mean, obviously, barbecue is sort of like everyone loves barbecue. But like, uh, how do I get people back back in here? Right. Um, this, that, and the other. I, you know, I think it's it. One of the things that I say uh, oftentimes, and people who are listening to this may have, may not have heard me say this, but is that restaurants in Baltimore are aren't necessarily competing against each other. They're competing against people eating at home. True. It's and so what ends up and and that there is a finite amount of people who eat out consistently in Baltimore. Unfortunately, we're not New York, we're not Philly, we're not DC. Uh, You know, we just don't have that same uh, you know depth of population uh, who just like eat out or who can afford to eat out all the time, which is what it is. But the reality is, is that I think because we have a lot of restaurants, you have to incentivize it one way or the other. You have to. And I think what that enables, what what that does, which is really cool, and I've found myself doing a lot of this, as as Leandra spoke to, is is promoting events, is doing special cool pop-ups and being creative. Be creative uh, with your cuisine be creative. It's not just opening a restaurant and just being a restaurant. It's upping the game of your cuisine, but then also like creating cool collaborations, creating this, that, and the other. 
you know, this weekend, uh, Ekaban is going to be at for is doing a pop up at Foraged, you know, and like there's all these cool little uh, idiosyncrasies and these cool collaborations that are happening um, that that help to drive um, and incentivize people to come out. Um, and and that, that would be my piece is, is thinking about, um, you know, how can you be more creative, more collaborative? Um, and more engaging to your customer base. All right, that's a gem. Let's see what else we got going on here. I know I'm like worried about my parking. I was thinking, like, please don't, <laughs> please don't have a ticket on my car. Um, okay, so what is your most memorable dining experience, good and bad? In Baltimore? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you had to ask that. <laughs> You know, I think I don't like highlighting negative things, but I think sometimes people are all so bubbly and oh, this place was amazing. But like, tell the truth. Like, I'm not gonna name. Yeah, we are, we, we won't name names. We're gonna keep it classy. I mean, I but. went to like a, <laughs> I went to a spot that served like really interesting things, like chicken hearts, awful like chicken livers, and mm-hmm. um, and it was Sweet just friends. undercooked. Oh, oh undercooked and chewy, and I love that kind of stuff. And mm. I almost never really throw it up. And oh my god! So that's wow. Worst experience. Um, wow. And I, I live for eating, you know, those different parts of right. cuisines, and uh-huh. it doesn't, you know, it just has to be cooked through right. per se, and I'll enjoy it. Oh this my gosh! Bad. What about the best? You know, both In Baltimore. I'll let Dave go first. I have to look. Okay, think about that. So, think on that. Think on that. You know, this is I and I, I think, um, and I'll only speak to sort of a couple more recent experiences that I've had in the last couple of years. Um, I think the last two times that I've been to Alma Casina mm-hmm. has just been really cool. They do an incredible job across the board. Um, and um, Irena Stein is just such a beautiful human being and so I sweet love her. and really touches, touches the tables. Um, and their chef is just such a talented guy. Um, and it's always just, it, it, it's an impeccable space um and they do a great job of hitting all of those three components and so when you come out of that you're like wow that was that was totally awesome and unique and uh i felt transported to a different Uh time and space um i didn't think that i was you know in the can company uh in can i was about to say sidebar what do you think about places that are located like in shopping centers. It, I don't think it matters. I, I, I mean, honestly, good food is good food. Yeah. True. It does not matter to me. Uh, I, you know, I mean, as, and that's the thing is like, you go to a place like Noko, it's like behind the, you know, it's like this neighborhood, you know, that, old neighborhood bar. Town market, though. And it's like behind the Highland Town Market, which is cool which in its is own amazing, spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like behind the Highland Town Market. And then, but as soon as you go in that door, you're like, oh, this is like cute and awesome and chill, you right. know? Um, and then the other experience um, I want to give out to my girl, Carlene, 
um, from Lemonade, and she did. She does a lot of. I love her. We had dinner with her. Yeah, and and she. Oh, you went to that one. Does some pop up dinners. She does. She did a um, a dinner last year of. just some like Liberian African, food? yeah. Oh, was that African, one the black Liberian. foodie was like? Did you that twice? I went to one. Yeah, yeah so and she went, and it was at a, my friend's house, and that was like. I mean, speaking of supper clubs, like, um, I would love to host Carlene. Uh, yeah, she said more to come. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, that was such a unique dinner mm-hmm. with unique flavors and just good people and good friends. And I mean, that was, I came away from that experience being like, yo, this is what it's all about. Yeah. Like, this is why I love we, when events we, gather, excited. Yeah. we gather in these communities and, and, and talk and just enjoy life. And, and yeah. So I think those, those, those have been uh, definitely some, some highlights for me. Cool. So I have three. I think I just thought of the first time was actually going to Echabed because it was so and it was and I went there when it first opened and I had just I need to get there moved back to Baltimore from like DC and New York and it was such a good revelation of like this is Baltimore's food scene kind of changing like that was so different and 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 you know to be fair like I hadn't really eaten a lot of new Baltimore restaurants since I've been back but this was just a good revelation of the way the Baltimore food scene was changing um, the second and he's a good friend of mine Chef Ray Eugenio from Point South did a pop-up Filipino kind of brunch at Cardinal Tavern mm. and he cooked Filipino food so well like and made me so proud and mm-hmm. there were some dishes there I couldn't stop eating I, I went with another cute spot too Filipino friend he ate one dish in like five minutes and it, was gone. <laughs> it, anyway. it, was, it was a traditional kind of ars caldo which would raise twist on it and then last week I went I've never been to Wit and Wisdom eat desserts with mm. Chef Diane mm-hmm. we went and we just had a, a full dessert meal like we had five courses of dessert and she brought some great things she brought this one thing that well, I will forever look for, it was a yogurt ice cream with shaved um, cashews on top, mm. but it was also like a porcini mushroom caramel sauce, Ooh. which I couldn't stop eating. They brought it the next dish. Literally, someone was explaining it, but I wasn't. I, wasn't <laughs> I just kept eating. I had no idea what they were saying, like explaining the next dessert. But, oh, wow. So I find like Chef Diane's really talented in terms of the dessert space in Baltimore. I, mm-hmm. If I could go eat just that for a meal, I'd be happy every day. Yeah. Wow. Have you been to Bygon yet? I've not been to Bygon. Okay. No. I think I might go there um, tonight. I have not. No. That's cool. I think I might swing that through tonight. Diablo, though. Yeah. I look so like something. Um, so, what are your thoughts on like food trends? Um, right now, and I know everybody's like, oh, I'm a vegan. I'm like, are you really? And like, (laughs) I definitely think it is a trend. I don't. I mean, people definitely like it's a lifestyle. Like, either you are, or some people. A lot of people I know. I'm like, you're not a vegan. You are just. I mean, I don't trying it out. Vegan adjacent. Yeah, vegan adjacent. There's definitely (laughs) something like that going on in his feed that he wanted to explore. See, and I said, 
Like, I want to explore veganism, but I'm not. Like, being an adjacent. Yeah, I'm like, like if I. If there's bacon on it, I'll probably eat it. Like, if there's cheese, like, who can give that up? But basically, like, I need butter. Just throw a little I, butter I don't on there. vegan kind of a trend, I per se. But, like, healthy eating, farm to table, I think people are trying I to. Mean, farm to table is basically every restaurant in the world. Uh, I mean,. I know for us, sometimes I just wonder, like, why do we use these things from so far when we have these farms right I actually, here? I did some research on, with that question on what the trends are going to be. Like, I, I do think one of the trends that should happen is um, more kind of diverse cuisine that should come to Baltimore. Yep. Yep. Um, All right. If we could get, like, a perfect Filipino restaurant somewhere here, hmm. um, and I wouldn't call that necessarily a trend, or it's a trend that we're just catching up to in a sense because there's a million Filipino restaurants even in D.C. at this point but not really one established in Baltimore. Hmm. But like more diversity of cuisine is something that I would like to see trending. Like I don't really believe in stuff like sushi bagels or like, <laughs> spaghetti bagels and stuff like that. Wild stuff. Funny. I mean like like I put on here like turmeric, activated charcoal, maybe like matcha yeah, things I mean, or people I, mean, I think are, that those I think those are are definitely um, trendy or yeah. yeah we're beginning to see that um so uh dare I sort of ruin the thunder but I think it's sort of a different demographic um but I was chatting with my friend Allison Robichelli about this about food trends as well um and I won't give all of them away of, if of, you guys don't follow Allison yeah. What is, what's follow. her? What's her Instagram? Allison Ribicelli. Allison. Yeah. Uh, follow her Facebook, Instagram, everything. She's very thoughtful about food, politics, everything. Okay. And got some exciting news from them coming soon. Stay F- tuned. Why I? No, but uh, one thing she mentioned, and I we've talked a lot about this, and and I think it's no joke that uh, I think 2018 will be kind of the year of. of Supper clubs, community dining is Ooh. something that she mentioned to me as a as a as a 2018 food trend. Um, you know, I think the way she put it, which I think was great, is like as Trump divide continues to divide this country, right. we together. will come back together around food. And I think that that's just a great image. Man, that's kind of powerful. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I I I hope that we can make that a reality. And, and it's certainly an intentional I mean, piece that I would like to see. Like to build off that, I mean, highlighting like the contribution of immigrant cuisine to America. Absolutely. And to kitchens and stuff should be a trend. Like, you know, there are, every cuisine is almost immigrant cuisine that people enjoy in the United States. Amen, and to, yeah. And to For emphasize sure, that would be well, and it's and it is coming up. I mean, I think the Washington Post recently put out like a, like an article about you know right. uh, I don't know immigrant. It was something. Did you see that? It was it was something about like immigrant kitchens or yeah. immigrant flavors or there's, something there's like that. There's a good uh, if you if you follow Life of Time, there's a good miniseries, video series. That's called it. Called the Migrant yeah. Kitchen on Life and Time, oh. which is fantastic. If you guys have never tried Kaida of Mirror Collective's food. In Baltimore, they do pop-ups. Hmm. Uh, what is it called? Here, the Mira Collective Kitchen. I think it's the Mira Kitchen Syrian. Collective. Syrian, yeah, right? yeah. She's, yeah, she's Syrian, but there's there's a bunch of women kind of involved in that. Right. Uh, I think emphasizing kind of not necessarily cuisines, but like women chefs and their role in the nice. kitchen should be a theme in 2018. Um, if Allison has anything to do with it, 
it for sure will be a theme. Hey. <laughs> I'm going to reach out to her. Um, I would say also, uh, and one, this is one thing that Allison mentioned, and, and, and something that I've been thinking about, too, is mocktails. I think, yeah, we all like oh, to get boozy. But, like, the truth of the matter is, and if people can start accessing this, um, and another shout-out to um, people like Carlene. The mixers, yeah. With, like, different mixers, um, shrubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my boy Don uh, in D.C., the shrub district. Um, there's some local elements, I think, elements, is, yeah. uh, is local here in Baltimore. But, um, you know, I think... Uh, we all like to take a break on drinking. Yeah, drinking's fun and awesome. Kombucha. Especially now, right now, in like dry date January and like people with their uh, things. But like, we need to make it more accessible um, for folks like ourselves. And, and, and I think along those same lines, something that I keep pushing for, and maybe it will be a trend finally, is just accessible, healthy restaurant food. Right. Um, where... People are actually saying, like, yeah, I mean, this is paleo or this is vegan and it's straight up and we don't have to mod it and be annoyed that a vegan is coming to our restaurant because we already have it. And and like because as people become more mindful of, you know, the environmental impacts of meat and, you know, there's certainly this movement towards vegetable central dishes. Mm. I'll eat that way. Like, if it's a dope carrot dish, I will absolutely eat that way. But I also, you know, I mean, and and if it's a really cool, like, comfy, I don't know, carrot, We got this comfy cabbage that we just started. Yeah, see? Like, that's what I'm talking about. Um... You know, those types of things, if you can make that type of food accessible, um, it's only going to help our cause of, you know, staying fit and enjoying life and being healthy. I think we can take it, like, so there's a restaurant, and I've never been, but been recommended to me so many times, called Rouge Tomat in mm. New York. And when they create oh, yeah. their menu, they work with a dietitian. Like to create you know, healthy foods, and that doesn't have to be paleo or vegan and stuff. Mm-hmm. But just know that there is someone there that was thinking about the science of food and how healthy it is for you. And I think that could be mm-hmm. something that hmm. they could take off of Baltimore. Yeah. Two other ones that I think are kind of cool that I've seen coming up: um, hydroponic gardening. Oh yeah, absolutely. In restaurants, um, you know, my boy um, and chef friend uh, chef Chris Amendola at Foraged Eatery which is open in Hamden so he has hydroponic gardens on his wall Uh, La Couchara also does this and you see this City Hydro making it more accessible yeah so making it more accessible for restaurants to have those hydroponic gardens in their in their um, in their kitchens yeah we have a refrigerator and we're growing our own like dill and basil yeah and along those same lines, I think that, you know, the more that we can be connected to the ingredients that and cl- to the production of those ingredients that are being produced, I think the better. You know, we always talk about eating local, um, the more, you know, and then to going back to farm dinners and this, that, and the other, the closer we can be, the better. Uh, the last piece, savory donuts are totally having a moment. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> You're seeing, like, everything donuts. Oh yeah, um, I saw that. Who I was that? Um, Ida Beast just served. They had savory, they had sweet beignets, 
in the morning yesterday, but they served a savory shrimp collard green beignet at yeah. night. Ooh. It was amazing. Yep. Uh-huh. I like a savory yep. macaroni. Um, <laughs> full Circle Artisan Palace, uh, new woman-owned, uh, vet-owned uh, donut shop on Chestnut Avenue in Hamden. Um, really great spot. She is doing uh, pizza duffins. Mm. They are pizza-flavored donut muffins. Absolutely. <laughs> donut uh, muffins. She does. All right. Wait for this. Wait for this. This was <laughs> literally one of the best things that I put in my mouth, like, in the last two weeks. It was a donut scrapple breakfast sandwich. What? <laughs> No, I saw I saw a picture. It looked insanity. Go to wow. Apple Food Adventure or even just go to Full Circle, uh, Full Circle. Artisan Palace on Instagram. Holy cow! Did this thing was <laughs> and then sure. so now she's also doing a um, she she does a bunch of different variations of savory donuts, but she does a cucumber dill with cured egg yolk donut. Oh wow! Yeah, so I, I think you're going to be seeing Stepping more of, the the, of these sort of savory donuts. I've been trying to go for so long since they opened. Oh yeah, I want to go. I haven't been. They just opened, been. so no, I don't no, know, for like so they've, long. they've been like a month, right? Is that by so? Forged? Oh, it's like, yeah, it's yeah, right up the street. Okay. I've thought about going for at least every day since they opened, <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't been able to work. We need to go get it this weekend. They open. I'm going to go there on Sunday. Friday, Saturdays, it's not Sunday. Okay, I'm going on Sunday because I'm off on Sunday. Super delish. Really great donuts. Um, okay, so last question, wrapping everything up. If you were trying to show off, where would you take your friends? In Baltimore? Yeah. Everything Baltimore. Charm City. Where would you take them? Like, they are I mean, going to be blown away by this place. It's not trying to show off, but I, I've had friends come visit from New York, and I first place I ever took them was NOCO. Mm-hmm. So um, trying to find experiences... You know, t- in terms of taste of food that they liked, and approximates kind of what you would find in New York City. We went straight to Noco. Okay. Ida B's wasn't open yet then. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting that out there, Chef <laughs> Thomas. Uh, to Noco. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your fancy New York friends are coming in town. Where do you take them? I. That's hard. I. I am biased from from just an execution standpoint. Uh, Noco is is an amazing one. If and it all depends on like what atmosphere I'm looking at. Um, I think the three the three that stand out to me would be Noco, La Cuchara, and Alma Casina. Um, all three just execute on a really solid level. I think they show off uh, the diversity of food. And they're all um, very different. A different experience. I love Alma. Yeah. I remember, I, I don't know if he was a bar manager or what, whoever he was, but he came over and he just explained the drink so in depth. And I was just like blown away Man, by his I also, knowledge. I also really love the like one-two punch of Clavel and W.C. Harlan. Like that's right. a classic. Like classic, like, yo, you haven't done this. Like it's it's a really like, great one If you're going to make too. a night like drinking and yeah. food, there's, yeah. <laughs> Just go there. It's pretty great. The Diz, I'll throw up, put a, <laughs> put a, put a, put a plug for the Diz. I love there. the Diz. Yo, the Diz. It's by our house. Diz? It's around the corner from our house. Oh, bro. It's, it's just like a late Baltimore. night, just like, yeah. Classic. 
They went crazy on their no, yeah, they went crazy on their Christmas decoration. You could do Nelco Venice Tavern over in Highland Town. That would be cool too. Have you been to Venice Tavern? I don't do the the drink part after a meal. Oh, in my old age, the Diz is just like bar food, like. No, I don't. I don't. I love dive bars. Yeah, Venice Tavern. Yeah, that's what's up. All right, guys. Well, I guess that's all we have for today. But I just wanted to put it out there that restaurant week is coming up. It's starting today, the 12th yep. through the 27th. So do you guys have any restaurant week go-tos? I'm actually going to the Avenue tonight because nice. Chef Adiel has said that he's doing a uh, three-course Mexican menu. If you've never hmm. seen Adiel's Mexican food, it's amazing. He's, yeah. he's a native Mexican. Okay. Um, that would be good. And so he's doing a three-course Mexican menu, and it's supposed to be amazing. So... Hmm. I love his masa cakes. If you ever went to Be More Cucina's other place, yeah, has since closed. Okay. Uh, my votes for Restaurant Week would be uh, Minnow and Salt Tavern. Minnow and Salt Tavern. Both look super good. Uh, both are going to be super well executed. Um, yeah, I think. And Minnow is doing uh, brunch for oh, Restaurant awesome. Week. Twenty-two bucks for Minnow brunch. So that should be good. Awesome. I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to go for restaurant week, but I'm definitely going to check it out. And there's also a black restaurant week challenge going on. So I'm going to do a little. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I got to do a little more research on that and see who's participating. So I'll put some information about that a little later. Um, But for the month of January so far, what I have on my radar is... um, There'll be a class about meal prep on a budget uh, with a cooking demo and tasting. January 13th, Saturday. Matter of fact, let me scratch these out because I'm going to post this on Wednesday and that'll be gone by then. <laughs> so Ida Bees is doing a Cajun Creole three-course restaurant week. So Did I have that? No, I didn't have that. Really okay, good. I haven't tasted Plug. it yet, but I'm for sure that's going to happen sometime next dope. week. Yeah, Soda Sopra on the 28th is going to have a five-course Italian dinner with live opera. Um, the 24th, what was that? Uh, so Ida Bees, is this what you just said? Yeah, so Ida Bees is doing... Um, a Filipino pop-up, but it's more like a Filipino slash modern soul food pop-up. So okay. traditional Filipino food with soul food ingredients. And that'll be January 24th, guys. Yep. I'll throw something else in. January, no, sorry, February 1st, mashing it up. It's going to be a cider dinner with Hershey's and Minnow. Uh, so Josh Hershkovitz of Hershey's down in South Baltimore and of Light Street is going to be collaborating with so will it be at Chef Drew Lesovic. It's going to be at Minnow. Okay. And uh, that's January, I think it's a Thursday, Jan- or sorry, Thursday, February 1st, 6 p.m. You can find info on their website. Cool. Well, you had the cider pour. <laughs> you ever see the Poiron? Yeah. Poiron. Yeah. Um, Probably. They do that at, at Lock and Shark. So I, I am sure that that will most likely be happening. Sweet. And also January 31st, Kitchen Table Series, Blind Wine Tasting at Wit and Wisdom. That'll be 6.30 to 9.30, and that's January 31st. And as we wrap up, guys, if you wouldn't mind plugging in your handles, how people could find you. Um, just Food Nomad across any social media platform. So you can find me on Instagram primarily, although I am on Twitter, but uh, you'd be best to just follow me on Instagram at the food adventurer. Yeah. Make sure you also follow Blue Fork Marketing. (laughs) 
Hey, plug. No problem with that. Um, and guys, you can follow me at Taste Charm City on Instagram and on SoundCloud. Uh, this is Chef Cat, and stay hungry.